Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. We just recently had a podcast discussion with Mike Dunford uh, on questions around content moderation at the infrastructure layer, specifically regarding how Cloudflare handled, or some would argue mishandled, uh, the situation with Kiwi Farms. And of course, last year, we ran an entire symposium all about questions on content moderation at the infrastructure layer, which in some ways raised, I would say, more questions than it did answers, perhaps. (laughs) Uh, There are lots Lots of lots of different questions about how we should handle content moderation. Obviously, at the edge, lots of people talking about Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and, and whatnot. But I think there are even more questions about how it should be handled at the infrastructure layer, and often a lot less understanding and a lot less uh, of, of people recognizing even the differences between the edge and the the services that we interact with every day, and then what happens behind the scenes. Constantinos uh, Komaitis is an internet policy expert who has been writing and thinking about these issues for quite some time now. Uh, he's written on TechDirt a few times, uh, mostly about issues related to content moderation and the infrastructure layer. Uh, and he recently had a blog post on TechDirt suggesting one possible approach on infrastructure content moderation questions, one that he admits is perhaps an imperfect suggestion. Uh, the idea was that perhaps there could be a kind of oversight board uh, for the these questions for a variety of different infrastructure players, effectively allowing them to hand those issues off to this third-party board. The model is obviously somewhat based on the Facebook-created oversight board, but not quite the same. So uh, I thought it was an interesting idea, the one I'm not entirely sure makes sense, but I did want to talk about it and sort of work through the various questions about it. So, Constantinos, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. To be honest with you, I'm not even sure whether it makes sense for me, but I just felt that I, I, we had to say something. Uh-huh. Uh, and I had to say something because normally, and that includes me, I was coming from a place where I was an absolutist uh-huh. saying, no, no way this is ever going to happen. And then Kiwi Firms happened and I sort of stepped back a little bit and I started posing questions to myself that I could not answer. So I said, well, let's put them on paper and start a conversation. Perhaps. Yeah. So, so let's, let's start by, you know, making the case like what, you know, and, and recognizing that you're not even fully committed to it, but you sort of raise this idea. What, what do you think is kind of the strongest pitch for this idea of, of a kind of oversight board for infrastructure moderation? Transparency. Okay. For me, it all really comes down to that. Because you've said it in your intro, the the content moderation is very complex, right? And and that's happening at the edge. Uh, There are so many um, different angles that one needs to take on board when when they're thinking about those issues. So if you move down to the infrastructure where things generally are opaque, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, users, most users, the majority of users have no idea what's happening. All this is invisible. Yet again, we see, and especially over the past few years, that more and more decisions are being taken by infrastructure providers regarding content that ultimately affects speech, right? Uh, So most of these decisions are very are non-transparent, but the the impact that they have is so disproportionately greater compared to the content moderation that is happening at the edge, because essentially they're determining who will be or will not be visible online. Right. And by that, I mean, you know, it, it, I might be exaggerating a little bit because sure, you know, uh, uh, websites that have been taken down or whatever, they can go to different providers, but it's not that easy. We know that exit you know, is, is, is a difficult thing and re-entry 
is even more difficult. So um, th those decisions scare me a little bit. Uh, the, uh, the, the infrastructure providers possess a certain degree of power that I don't think any of us sitting having these conversations fully can fathom. Uh, yet again, it is very, very substantial. And unless we do something to shed a little bit more light on what is happening, my fear is that over time, and given that we are seeing more and more cases hitting the news mm -hmm. and making and posing those very difficult questions, that regulators will step in. And I don't feel that they necessarily will ask the same questions that we have the opportunity now to, uh, to ask. Yeah, I think that's, that is really good. And, and, and I want to take, take a, maybe a half step back and, and dig in a little bit more for you know, listeners who maybe haven't thought through this, this stuff as much um, to, to kind of think through why the infrastructure layer is different, because I, I think it is actually really important. And, and you sort of alluded to this in, in what you were saying, but, but I, I want to just sort of shine a spotlight on it so that people really understand. And there's this idea that like, you know, when you're talking about like, an edge provider doing stuff. So we'll just use Facebook as an example, one that everyone yeah. understands. You know, you can say this piece of content is problematic and we are going to block that. If you, you know, uh, post hate or bigotry or, or whatever, um, this piece of content is is problematic. Or or even like copyright infringing, right? Let's go back to the the, the early uh, uh, content <laughs> moderation. started all this. Yeah. Uh, and... But then, you know, the infrastructure layer, you don't have the power so much to, to go in with that scalpel and say, just this piece of content needs to be cut out. You're saying this entire site is a problem and we will not provide services for it anymore. And now there's, there's a tension here, uh, which is that, you know, companies have have a complete right to say i don't want to do business with you i don't wish to associate with with you know other companies that's sort of the nature of free enterprise and 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 the the ability to work with you know who you choose and not to to work with who you choose within a, a few limitations but but the the approach of the infrastructure player has to be to completely deny service and so you know to take it to an extreme Right. You know, you could say, well, you know, cut off all of Facebook and block all of Facebook to get rid of like that. These, you know, a small percentage of, of problematic content. And this, this is, this is I'll, I know I'm doing all the talking. You're the guest. but I'm doing no, 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 no. Please go. But, but but like, you know, you know, when we see that happen in, in cases where we see like, you know, nation states saying like we're going to block Facebook because people are using it to organize protests against the government or to do problems in other ways, we, we sort of inherently recognize the problems and risks and dangers of that, where, you know, we don't want the, the, the infrastructure to be cut off there. But, you know, then we have these other situations and situations like Kiwi Farms, where the entire site seems to be built around, you know, uh, supporting harassment and, and potentially even leading to, to, to real world violence. Um, and suddenly you wonder, like, how, how do you how do you balance those those different factors, right? Is is that is that sort of a good description? Do you think, uh, or a good summary of of the differences between and, and some some of the tensions and challenges with infrastructure as compared to the edge? Uh, yes, I think that uh, it's it's very accurate and and also sort of manifests the magnitude of the problem and the complexity. I think that. I, Generally, everybody should we should feel very uncomfortable with anyone holding so much power, whether it is a government or a private company, making determinations of actually who and who uh, who can and who cannot be visible online. Right. I th for me, that has always been the starting point, and especially when it comes to infrastructure, there is an additional consideration that we always tend to forget. And I really worked hard towards you know, the past four or five years in order to make part, to make it part of the conversation, but it's so difficult. And that is how the internet works, mm -hmm. 
right? How the internet was designed and under what principles it was designed. And let's not forget that these are the same principles that have followed the internet for the past 30 years, right? They have persisted. No matter how much the world has changed, those principles and those underlying values are still there. So before you go in there and you start messing with them, I think it is very important that you understand what are the stakes. Mm -hmm. And in the context of infrastructure providers, you know, we are throwing the policing content idea in the context of content moderation. Uh, you know, we are throwing it at Facebook and we're throwing it at Twitter and we're throwing it at all those uh, uh, platforms that are doing content at the edge. But if you really want a, a, a content police, you're going to have it in the face of infrastructure providers. This is where the, the, the whole thing sort of comes together and makes sense in a such such a scary way. So when Matthew Prince, for instance, you know, Cloudflare CEO at some point, and I think it wasn't the first one, the first time that he said it back uh, in August. And I've heard him saying a couple of times, we don't want to hold this power. I don't know whether this is or not true, but the idea that such power exists within infrastructure providers is very, very true. And we need to be... Um, I think we need to start asking questions as to how this power is being used, mm -hmm. right? And that's why I always, when I, when I pose those questions to myself, I always have the same word coming to my head, which is transparency, 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 transparency. So, you know, in the beginning, when the internet, you know, before the Facebooks and the Googles and all those things uh, were happening, the... the it was much easier to adhere to the original dogma, if you mm -hmm. want internet dogma, right? It was so much easier because the complexities were less and you really didn't have those many players um, engaging in so many different things. Right now, things are still complicated. But, uh, they're Sorry, they're much more complex, but I really think that we need to have a starting point as to where we're going with this. And currently, I feel that uh, if content moderation is is unpredictable and inconsistent when it comes to you know content providers, Facebook, the edge, then for me, what is happening at the infrastructure level is a million times worse and a million times more dangerous. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, like I keep going back to again, sort of where a lot of these debates started, um, and thinking through them from that standpoint, and 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 going back to the copyright stuff, right? I mean, there was, you know, th there were all these battles over the Pirate Bay um, initially, which you know started with these attempts to to target the, you know, originally they they raided the Pirate Bay and seized all their their servers and and arrested the the. The people who were in theory behind the organization, though there are questions there, but then they started going after their ISP and they started to try and get, you know, different laws on the books that would, would block, you know, have ISPs block access to it. And so you began to see all of these attempts to kind of go down the infrastructure stack or up the stack, depending on which way you draw the stack. Um, I have some people yell at me about that and, and, uh, <laughs> um, and and try to find the choke point, right? So it, it's it's interesting right. how the effort is always like we need to find the, the choke point where where this bad stuff, uh, whether it be copyright infringement or harassment or or whatever, um, where we can get it to stop. Um, and what's interesting to me even is that you know when you look back at when it was the Pirate Bay, I think a lot of people were were reasonably concerned about about these attacks uh, or, or these demands of infrastructure providers because they recognize like this could be weaponized and 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 in an, a non-transparent way as you're discussing but then it, it's it's interesting to me how it's changed a lot and now when you're talking about things like kiwi farms um and some other sites people are like you know all the all the concerns that, that we had about about infrastructure moderation around the pirate bay just goes out the window is it you know do you have any sense of of why that is or or do do you disagree with that assessment I actually don't. I mean, I think that the copyright industry has been very effective in lobbying and persisting and getting through mm -hmm. eventually what they wanted. I mean, yes, back in the day with Pirate Bay, Pirate Bay, Pirate Bay 
um, things were extremely controversial. And I remember I was one of the, ma- the many uh, people kicking and screaming and, and questioning a lot of these. But if you see over the years, they've sort of normalized it, right? They yeah. went to Icon and they started uh, working uh, with registries and registrars at that level in order to address copyright infringement. That is an infrastructure provider. Yeah. And, you know, there weren't a lot of people, even, you know, organizations that currently care about the infrastructure that did anything at the time. But that was one way to get into the system. I mean, for me, copyright, the copyright lobby has a tendency of setting those very bad precedents and then everybody follows and sort of piggybacks on them right. and they create, you know, what this, um, you know, this effect, this domino effect, essentially. I mean, the same happened, copyright, I mean, you know, piggybacked in the anti-big tech in Europe. And right, right. now you see telcos doing exactly the same. <laughs> yes. uh, so, you know, they're just opening up Pandora's box and then the rest of us are trying to go and try to deal with it. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the copyright policy and the copyright policy, the way it has worked with infrastructure is hugely problematic. I don't think that it should never have been opened up. Um, I understand that, you know, there are a lot of sites that are dealing with very bad things, but there are other ways to do that than creating preemptive private adjudication structures that essentially, you know, seek to um, satisfy one interest. And then you don't really have checks and balances in order to be able and test whether it is unsound or not. And that's why, you know, there is this, there is this, I don't know, this thing in me that makes me wonder how can we take this, you know, as far away as we come from the interested parties and place it into something that, you know, in an ideal world is going to be independent and it's going to be transparent and it's going to be able and help progress and, you know, and marry those conflicting issues rather than say, okay, here is a problem, but whoever has money and whoever has political power is able to get an agreement out of it. Well, the rest of you will just need to sit back and, you know, hope for the best. Right. So, so that takes us to, to this idea of, of, of a kind of oversight board um, w- with the idea being that, that, you know, when there are these questions, there could be effectively, you know, appeals to the oversight board to to review a case. Um, how, how do you see this being structured? Right. So with the with the original oversight board, right, it was basically Facebook threw a ridiculous amount of money at the oversight board and and set up this entire structure, and they had this sort of bizarrely complex process for choosing who is on the oversight board and then setting up different rules about what is, what is binding, what is just a, a recommendation. Um, like, are, are, are you, are you suggesting something kind of similar, but just, or, or even like having the oversight board handle this for infrastructure providers or, or what, what are you thinking? What is the structure of this board that you're thinking about? So, you know what Facebook did? 98% do the opposite <laughs> sort of thing. No, I'm joking. Uh, so let me take a step back and just say that, you know, generally, and this proposal is sort of came through because there is obviously um, a legal gap, right? Mm-hmm. If I am to trust what basically um, uh, Cloudflare has said is that, you know, the FBI was informed and it was taken them even days to be able and figure out how to do anything about QE farms, right? Mm-hmm. So eventually they had to take action. And I'm saying this because generally, you know, I always have the tendency of preferring, you know, the court system. I am a lawyer by education and still believe perhaps stupid, stupidly uh, in law. Uh, but, you know, I still believe in the rule of the law and the way that it can really help right. in most of the cases. But considering that there is this gap, and in the meantime, what do we do? So the idea of an oversight type board, and perhaps my mistake was to actually characterize it like this, because perhaps I give more uh, power to the actual oversight board, because it's not the first time, you know, 
this is happening, right? I mean, we are creating private adjudication mechanisms all the time. Yeah. So um, it's not like, you know, Facebook did it the first time. So the idea has been, and these are very high level ideas, because as I said, I am really hoping that there will be um, a conversation. And I read Kate Klonick's fantastic article that is, she's literally chronicle chronicles the way things have have been done i don't think it should be funded by a single company mm-hmm. i don't think this is healthy i think that there are a lot of infrastructure providers out there and the scary thing about infrastructure providers is that some of them have policies and some of them do not even have policies right, right? so they're making decisions off the cuff yeah. essentially um, and most probably these decisions will be what do i need to do to to make this go away right right um, so the more infrastructure providers you have, the, 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 the better it will be. So this can be funded by a bunch of different infrastructure providers at the various, you know, levels of, of, of the stack. Um, I don't think you need to do the fanfare that Facebook did. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of Facebook PR, this was, you know, part of its PR, right? To demonstrate that we're going all around the world and we're putting experts together and uh, and look at us and we are the best of the best and we're doing the best of the best and we are coming up with the best of the best. I don't think that this is necessary. I think that, you know, one thing we've learned from COVID is that we can efficiently work Right. Things, uh, mentioned it. Yes, I would say that it's a very bad idea to start handpicking people. Uh, expressions of interest. I mean, these things, there are so many people that are not the former prime minister of any country. <laughs> right. right. Uh, yet again, their knowledge is so rich and invaluable in these conversations, and they don't have the tendency to be heard necessarily because they're affiliated with X, Y, or Z. Yet these are the people that we want, right? We want the people that spend time thinking and researching about this. We want the people that are doing it mm-hmm. every day, and they know. We want the people that are facing the results of these actions and what it means. And we need, you know, the people who understand the internet because in this idea, right, it's not only about judging whether the decision is good or bad from a speech perspective, but it would be very important for whatever, you know, thing comes together, if it ever comes together, to have a special consideration about the impact of these decisions on the internet. Right. And how much it, it does or it does not mess up with its infrastructure, right? Or some of its principles, like the fact that it's a general purpose network or, you know, uh, the fact that it doesn't, the internet should not have central points of control. And are we creating central points right. of control? Which mm, I think we are <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. So all these things will need to be taken on board and make, you know, a decision based on facts and also a decision that we are able to see and judge, right? Because right now we are hearing only one side, right. essentially. And in most of those cases is the infrastructure provider who says, "Right, I've been placed in the corner and I have zero options. So this is what I'm doing. Yeah, and 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 to be honest, I mean that's being generous. Often we hear nobody's side, right? We, exactly. we just we just find out the outcome, you know. Sure. And, and and that is absolutely true. And, and so you know, I think there is something interesting, and it gets back to to you know your original point, which is the the, the transparency element of this, whether or not you know, and, and there are certainly issues with sort of even the oversight board itself, the current setup in terms of the transparency, but what you do get out of it is you know a decision and and like you know there are arguments about whether or not it is the equivalent of a judicial opinion or you know ruling or or whatever Uh, but it it does have the the transparency of that right just to say something i think it would be very naive for anyone to believe (laughs) <laughs> that the oversight board decision has the validity right. or the legitimacy or even the same, carry the same weight as a judicial review by 
qualified judges. Not that these people are not qualified and they're not knowing what they're doing. And I'm sure they're spending a lot of time and they're thinking about these issues. But yes, I mean, this is a made up, you know, (laughs) a, a private company kumbaya moment where let's address one tiny problem. And it addresses one tiny problem. And again, we need to see it always in context, right? Yeah. I'm not sure we will find ever the perfect solution. But here. you know, and 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 again, as you, as you sort of mentioned, like you know, it's certainly not the first, right? I mean, arbitration exists, and and like you know, arbitration boards have have existed for decades, and there are all sorts of things to like re, you know resolve different disputes through private parties and not going through the courts. And in some ways, this is just kind of like a a, a modern, more somewhat more modern representation of that. Um, but you know, so to so to go back to that, right? Like, if if you think about like the arbitration space, for example, um, and and I have to admit, in in and I don't know if I've ever admitted this <laughs> out loud before, but like in, when I was in college, I took a class in in arbitration, and it was one of my, my favorite classes I've I've ever taken, arbitration and mediation, um, and it, it was it was just it, it, you know it was brilliant, and it was really really interesting to learn about it. Um, of course, in the context of of the professor was a, a long term uh, arbitrator himself, and actually handled like all of the different arbitration cases for like uh, I think it was like for all different schools, so like teacher teacher disputes with with schools all through New York State. Um, it was fascinating, but also gave a, a very rosy picture of like the arbitration space. And then it's like as you learn more, you're like there are some problems with that, and you have problems of like capture right you know who who the arbitrators are becomes really really important um and and how you know how much they're sort of you know identifying with with you know one side or the other so i mean have you given any thought yeah yeah i mean so have, have you given any thought to sort of how how that could be dealt with if if any way or is that is that you know a different issue so to be honest with you, I have not, is the quick answer. But at the same time, I, I, I think that, you know, when when you design a system with the intention of making it independent and with the intention of addressing those issues that you know that they are systemic in this, in arbitration, for instance, or in private adjudication, you can get right. away with them. It's not that these issues are not known and suddenly they appear and you will be surprised. You should expect <laughs> that any private system has a tendency of leaning towards those things. So if you take, for instance, do you remember the UDRP? Yeah, sure. Oh, exactly. So I wrote a book out of it. That was my PhD, by the way. Okay. And I spent a long time thinking of the UDRP. And the main problems with the UDRP are those. The fact that the system should have anticipated that there's going to be forum shopping, there's going to be capture, and there's going to be all those issues of bias that you're seeing in arbitration and at the same time you know you don't create um because in arbitration when the system is unfair you can always go back revert back to courts right and you can say you know what we tried it i believe that these things happened so you now coordinate to decide the udrp could have created an appeal system for that and it chooses never to do it right so just, just, just for listeners, in case listeners are not as oh, familiar yes, with the UDRP system, uh, so I mean, do you, do you want to give just a quick summary? I mean, it's, it's, sure. it's, so UDRP stands for the Uniform Domain Name Dispute Resolution Policy, and it was created by I cannot even believe that I'm saying this uh, date 1990, no 2000 actually, by the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, and essentially it's there to adjudicate the disputes between trademarks and domain names, right? right? Uh, It's done through um, some arbitration centers. Some were, you know, they were already established. One of them is the World Intellectual Property Organization. And throughout the years, and I have to admit that I stopped drinking, eating, sleeping, and thinking uh, (laughs) uh, UDRP and uh, domain names and trademarks back in 2012. But... Up until that point, the issues of, you know, lack of arbitrators, uh, panelist independence and forum shopping and bias and capture, all those things were very much present, yet they were never addressed. And this is the other thing, Mike, that I think we, in this space, I feel we need to start talking more and more about. The idea that 
if we set up a system and it turns out to either have mistakes or it doesn't work, it's okay. We need to experiment, I feel. I feel that we are at, at a point where we cannot go on saying, okay, that's not good. Right. And f- trust me, it's not. The idea of infrastructure providers doing content moderation is not good. But at the same time, I am not hearing, okay, what can we do in order to be able and live in an environment where we respect the role of infrastructure providers. We don't give them the power that they actually possess. At the same time, we also understand the internet works, but at the same time, we address those things like Kiwi Farms. I mean, in my blog post, Really, the question that was going on for a weekend in my head over and over again was, if there is someone that can do something, shouldn't they do something? Right. Right. And and, 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 and this is the issue that, that keeps coming up where it's like, you know, you have Cloudflare saying that, like, we don't want to have this power. And, uh, you know, but, but, but the response to that is, but, but you do, right? And, and like, yeah. you, you're right. You, you probably shouldn't have that power, but you do. And so, you know, to take a stance of like, well, we're just like hands off because we don't want this power is, is not is not an actual answer, right? Because you're, you're sort of ignoring the reality, which is that you do have that power and not doing something is is a choice that, that creates potentially real real world harm. Um, and, and that's and that's where the challenge is. And so, you know, there is something appealing about this idea of, you know, if, if we're, if, if we're not in a position, right. So then the question is like, how do you, how do you, how do you make it so that, that a company like Cloudflare doesn't have that power? If, mm-hmm. if the real problem is that they, they shouldn't have that power. And, and so like a lot of people immediately resort to the questions of like antitrust, right. Or whatever, but like, it's not really an antitrust problem, right. It's, it's just sort of the nature of the way the internet works more than an antitrust problem. I, I see why some people will call this an antitrust problem, um, and, and I sort of, you know, I, I could engage in that conversation. But I think that if we approach it through an antitrust problem, we're missing the point, and we're missing yes. the point globally. Yes. Uh, there are, I mean, to the to the people that I have spoken to that are focusing on 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 consolidation and concentration within the internet ecosystem a lot of them will tell you that there is consolidation happening at infrastructure, right? It's right. not as, again, as visible or as discussed as at the content layer, or but, but there is. And I understand that argument, but here we're not talking about an antitrust issue. And I'm afraid that if we start talking, looking at it through this, then we will have the United States and Europe coming again from very, very different points of view. And here right. what we're trying to do is come up with a, a, a semi-universal system that sort of puts puts under the microscope those very issues that they're facing and reaching decisions that, you know, um, equally dissatisfy everyone, if you know what I mean. Because again, <laughs> no one will be fully satisfied. Take right. the free speech issue, and we were having this conversation before <laughs> you hit recording, uh, you know, the U.S. and the EU, I feel, are going further and further apart in their understanding yes. of free speech. So if you start, if you try to merge all this, it will be, for me, it's impossible. Let, let me start. And then what will happen is what happens right now. You know, one of them will just raise uh, in terms of regulation and will try to impose it on somebody else. And this is really, again, not a way to really think or do regulation on the internet, right? I understand that in some cases it sort of creates this incentive for other for others to think about it. You know, I'm currently thinking GDPR and to think about similar things and how they can co- incorporating uh, and have this positive uh, influence. But I, I think that there is only too many... Um, incentives you can create before some countries will start saying, okay, you need to pace yourself because currently you are regulating the internet for all of us. And right. I, I really, I don't understand why you do that or I would I would buy into that version of, of the internet. And Europe, I'm, 
I'm afraid, is currently doing this, right? I mean, you have the GDPR as this huge cluster that managed to capture the imagination of a lot of um, yes. regulators around the world. And now you have the DSA and the DMA, which effectively are doing the same, yeah. right? So, and this takes a long time. And this is also prone to a lot of other different uh, other type of capture, another type yes. of interest, another type. So it's not that regulation, even if we say, okay, we're going to sit down and figure it out, is going to give us the perfect answers because there are a lot of people that do not want to do this objectively. And I think that if there is one chance to try to look at some of those issues objectively, that will be through an independent body. And again, I now talking to you and having this conversation, I think that oversight board might have been a mistaken you know, use of the word because it gives more weight into thinking of the oversight board rather than right. the idea of adjudicating something privately and in a way that allows for this transparency to happen. Right. I mean, I'm I'm almost wondering if like you should have like, despite all of its problems, if you had framed it as like a UDRP for for, for infrastructure, like if 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 I would have reacted differently to it, right? You know, um, and and would have been like, oh yeah, you know, despite all of the problems of of the UDRP system, like. But we sort of know what those problems are, and 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 we sort of know other ways to approach it, uh, and and you could see a system that that makes more sense. And you know, like I hadn't even thought of UDRP until you brought it up, yeah. and then I was like, yeah, you know what? Like as much as I criticized that system and and, and some of the results of it, and sort of the way it worked, um, you know, I could see that. As being as being a model that makes a lot more sense and and feels less less painful or less problematic than than the oversight board model, <laughs> which is fascinating to me because yeah. and again with a caveat that I stopped talking about this in 2012, the yeah. UDRP is a mess. Yeah, I oh mean, yeah, it's much worse than the oversight board. Yes, the oversight board, of course, <laughs> it is also very young, but it's really we are talking about a mess. And yeah. I find it so interesting that, you know, but this is happening, but, you know, I, I get it. Yes, I, it was my mistake. I should never have called this an oversight. No, no, I mean, the, the uh, thing is like, I, I mean, I think, I think, I think it makes sense, right? I, and I, I actually do think it makes sense that you, you, you brought it up because it is sort of where everybody's mind would go right now because there's so much just sort of like, you know, intellectual Gravitational, gravitational pull <laughs> right now towards thinking about the oversight board for better or for worse. And, and like I had also just like a couple of weeks ago, like I had done a panel at TrustCon. I had moderated a panel at TrustCon, which was all about the oversight board and had sort of two of the oversight board members and, and someone uh, from Meta on the other side um, and, and just sort of went deep on like basically like you know, where has the oversight board gone wrong and, and how to improve it? And it was actually a, a really, really interesting discussion. But so like my own brain was like really sort of deeply focused on like all of the problems of the oversight board that we're yep. seeing. Um, and, and less on like, you know, I, there are ways that it has been quite successful in, in some elements. Right. And I think there, there are definitely challenges there. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest issues with the oversight board, I think, is the fact that it's so tied to meta and, and, you know, and they sort of, you know, bend over backwards to say to 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 show their independence and, and sort of like I actually think a, a lot of their decisions that really go against Meta, you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, it, it you know, it's almost driven by this like we are going to prove we are independent and we are not, you know, not going to do what what Facebook wants us to do. I th um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Sorry. Yes. And, 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 you know, I think the oversight board very much desires to, to, to have other companies come along and, and use it as well. Um, and I think they're sort of like trying to, to structure themselves as a provider for, for others. I don't know that anyone else is interested in using them. Uh, I do think that we might eventually see other kinds of oversight type boards for other companies. Um, I'm not sure that, that like, 
you know, the one that that Meta created is the one that anyone else will feel comfortable using. So there is this element that's like interesting of like if you, you know, so so there is I, I think everybody's thinking about. It. So I think it, it's you know, if you hadn't mentioned it, everyone would wonder why you hadn't mentioned it. <laughs> you know. Yes. And I'm fully cognizant, right? I mean, the oversight board would always, you know, the, the, the idea of Facebook would over, always hang over the oversight board. And this is right. something that I absolutely agree with you. Every chance they, they get, they're trying to make a very strong point that we are independent and we commit to be independent. And even through their decisions, right, the way they phrase some of these decisions is like the teacher disciplining the kid. So, you know, <laughs> we sort of have the power. I think the mistake was done more from Facebook sites rather than the oversight board, uh, board yeah. reaction, meaning that, it built it built it up in such a way you were hearing things like the Supreme Court and, right. and you know these huge wars that were being used. No, the the idea that I'm having is nothing of this fanfare, right? I understand that you will need some sort of a small secretariat to be able and manage and help with some of this. But first of all, one would hope, and again, we don't have any um, insight into that. That in comparison to the cases that are hitting uh, Facebook and the oversight board at the infrastructure, they're much, much, much less because otherwise, oh my God. Um, And secondly, that you, you know, you you would, you don't need a Supreme Court, as I said, right? It would be um, people who would come together for the specific case and they would decide it and they would discuss it and they would say, this is their recommendation and this is, you know, what we believe should happen and then move on. I believe that, you know, from what I read, and I was not, of course, part of any of these conversations, he really wanted to create something as big as this. I am sure that over the years, and if this thing continues, it's going to start uh, using precedent, uh, right. you know, for its cases, because that's exactly what the UDRP did, even though we were saying that this is nonsensical. <laughs> right. Because you create, you know, you create a case of body law. Sorry, you create, yes, a, a case of of law, cases that, you know, you're essentially creating law. And that was right. my main concern and my main criticism with the UDRP, that they were creating international law and international trademark law was not, was nowhere to be found. Right. They were making things up as they were going along and they were setting global standards that those standards were not inclusive. They didn't reflect the, reali- the reality of the, interna- you know, the tr- trademark law or the international uh, legal system. So none of that should be happening. This should be right. for us to understand better what is happening at the infrastructure level, the decisions that are taken, but also to to take a little bit of that power that companies like Cloudflare claim that they don't want to have away from their hands and putting it out there, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm taking it from Cloudflare and I'm placing it on somebody else. I'm chipping away a little bit of that power and I am trying better to say to Cloudflare, okay, when you're making now those decisions, be cognizant that, you know, the world is watching in some ways. Right, right. Yeah, and 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 and, and to be clear, kind of the reason why I was like, oh, the, the UDRP example makes, a, makes more sense to me, even though, again, like recognizing all of the many, many problems of the, of the UDRP system, it was that like, it 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 wasn't it, it wasn't captured by one company, right? And, and again, right. like it, it like the fact that it was the sort of universal thing for all of the problems that it had, that it was it was seen as as independent, though with with some capture issues, um, like that it, it was the sort of place that anyone could kind of go to on on these issues, like if you had a sort of trademark domain dispute. Um, and, and so then I was like, oh, okay, if I'm thinking about this that way, if you had this sort of like truly sort of independent body that if there is a some, you know, and you would have to figure out how do you bound the disputes, like what disputes count, because you could totally see once you set up a, a sort of infrastructure, uh, you know, review board, whatever you want to call it, you know, 
people are going to go nuts and be like, oh, you know, oh, somebody was is doing something bad on Twitter. Like everybody should exactly. should deplatform Twitter entirely. Um, you could see those kinds of disputes being raised, and so you need you need to have some sort of structure in place that 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 allows there to be a more reasonable uh, structure here. But like it felt something that that feels you know and i recognize the kind of advantages that you're talking about in terms of the transparency in terms of you know effectively taking that power out of the hands of of individual companies and the executives and whether or not they you know they are convinced by the fbi of danger or or wake up you know being mad that that a, a customer is using their platform as as cloudflare has said has happened um it- and, and so I think I think there's something interesting there. Thanks. And and by the way, you know, when it comes to and I think I mentioned it also in, in the article that, you know, I, I posted on TechDirt that when it comes to writing those rules, this is going to be almost an impossible task. And that's why I'm even, yeah. you know, I'm calling it an imperfect solution because actually it might stop at that point. At the point right. you start writing those rules, you might realize this is impossible and it might be. You know, and you might the whole thing might collapse. But I think that you, I feel the need that we we should try because at right. that level, you know, in, in in issues of speech, for instance, when you put, I still want to believe that if you put the question, um, completely eliminating someone's speech off the internet, right, cutting them yeah. off, both the US and the EU will agree that no, no. Right. Right. I mean, there might be disagreements on the nuances. There might be disagreements on, on the on the on the scope. But at the basic and the, at its most basic and fundamental level, the idea that everybody should, by default, have the individual right of free speech. I think they agree. And then, so so, and these are the cases, right, that we are talking at the infrastructure level. So whereas I see it very difficult for for people to come up with. Um, such global rules for 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 the edge providers somehow mm-hmm. even though it's still going to be extremely difficult because those decisions are so you know um, binary should this person stay online or should it not stay right. online right i think that creating and stretching a little bit those idea of a global understanding i think we are there and I'm trying to capitalize on the idea that we're still there because I'm not sure whether we will still be in five years. Yeah, yeah. No, I, jeez. I, um, <laughs> so just to, to close out the discussion, I mean, like, have you have you heard or spoken to anyone who who is actually interested in this idea? Like, is, is there <laughs> is there any appetite for it that that you found, or or are you hoping to to generate that appetite? What what's where does this uh, stand right now? I would say both. So before um, sending it to you, I shared it with uh, some people that I, I really trust and I literally ask them, tell me if you vomit when you read this. <laughs> uh, and none of them came back saying, oh my God, I threw up even you know thinking about this, which is the good news. Um, they, I think that there are, there are a lot of people, um, especially... No, no, I think they're spread across, actually. that They're like me. Over time, they start to become a little bit mellower and realizing that we need a solution and that just by saying, no, do not touch infrastructure is not going to get anywhere. Uh, the, the, the idea of content moderation staying out of infrastructure continues to be in the wish list of myself and everybody else I know. Right. Uh, the reality is a little bit different. So... A couple of people said, that's an interesting idea. Of course, the devil's in the details, right? Right. And that's why my intention was to provide something high level to see whether there is enough sort of support and we can start discussing the details. Um, uh, But uh, yeah, and I am really, really hoping that some sort of a conversation will can start because Mike, and you know it better than me because you and I have discussed this before, things are only going to get worse, right? Yeah. I mean, the cases are only going to increase. This is not going anywhere. It won't magically disappear. So I'm, right. if that's what we're waiting, I'm sorry to be a party pooper, but 
I don't think this is going to happen. I think that we are going to be seeing an increasing amount of cases, an increasing amount of decisions that continue to be a little bit, uh, you know, unaccountable, continue to be opaque, continue to raise concerns about human lives and, and human rights and all those things. And at some point, inevitably, at least in Europe, with the current commission, they will intervene. Yeah. There is no way that it's not going to happen. So really the question, and perhaps this is how I will close, is to say we can make, you know, how proactive do we want to be? For all these many years, I feel that a lot of us have been reactive to a lot of things and we have the tendency of saying, no, this doesn't work and then just move on. So right. here is our opportunity perhaps to try to say, you know what, let's design something that, sure, it's not going to be, it's not going to satisfy us 100% and it's not going to be 100% perfect, but let's try it out and see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think I'm, I'm somewhat convinced, right? I mean, the, the reality is like, as much as we might say, like, you know, content moderation shouldn't touch the infrastructure layer at all. And as appealing as that is as a solution, like the reality is that's not the world we're facing. We're facing a world in which, you know, the European Commission mainly, but also other other countries are going to regulate this and they're going to do a terrible job on it. And so, the, you know, effectively, is is this a, a solution that might lead to a, a better world than than a bunch of bureaucrats who have no clue what they're doing, uh, structuring something that's much, much worse. And so exactly. based on that, <laughs> I, I think this is this is a really interesting, interesting idea that that is worth exploring. So I, I appreciate you raising it and presenting it and and kicking off a discussion uh and and i appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast as well to to talk it through and sort of help me understand it as well so well thanks for giving me a uh, a platform to 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 start this conversation and be a platform to continue this conversation and i'm really looking forward to speaking with you and many other people about this as i said it's the beginning but i think we might have something there because as long as there's willingness, uh, I, I would be very surprised if Cloudflare didn't want to find a solution. I, I know yeah. that civil society wants to find a solution, and I know also that the techies care about the internet enough to actually want to find a solution on this. So yeah. I think that we might have a prosperous environment for this to happen. Thank you yeah. so much for having me, Mike. Yeah, no, thank thank you again for, for taking the time. And it was a really interesting discussion. It gave me a lot to, to think about. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening as well. And uh, we'll be back again next week. I think I think next week's podcast is going to be on a slightly similar topic. So uh, hopefully it'll, it'll get people uh, thinking about these things. Uh, but we'll see. I haven't recorded it yet, but uh, I have something scheduled. So I'll just wet the appetite of, of the listeners. Amazing. <laughs> but uh, thanks again, and we'll be back next week. Thanks. Bye. To grab a shovel and think of the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. To grab a shovel and think of the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get.